0: This episode of Rule Breaker Investing is brought to you by Harry's. For guys who want a great shave experience for a fraction of what you're paying now, go to harrys.com. Get $5 off your first purchase by entering the code FOOL, F-O-O-L, when you check out. It's the Rule Breaker Investing Podcast with Motley Fool co-founder David Gardner. And welcome back to Rule Breaker Investing. I'm David Gardner. Very much looking forward to this week's podcast. And why? Well, call me possibly, slightly self-indulgent. But since it's summer, and we don't always have to be quite as serious during the summer as we must be the other three seasons of the year, I'm going to have a little bit of a summer fling this week, a little summer fun, and just go down a list of some of my pet peeves. That's right, you get to if you dare continue listening for the next 20 minutes or so, you get to hear some some of my pet peeves. By no means is this a full list. This is not all of my pet peeves, and I think of myself as a a joyful and friendly amiable person. I think most people who know me would say that I am not ranting throwing down my pet peeves everywhere all the time. So so you could be forgiven for thinking at the end of this potential summer rant, that I'm a bitter person who walks around and notices all the things that are wrong with the world, and I hope that you won't think that of me. But, over the next 20 minutes or so, I am going to have the pleasure of going down a list. We're going to start with the sublime, the only way you ever should start, and then very naturally end with the ridiculous. So, we will be going from the sublime to the ridiculous. I'm not even sure I've numbered these. There's about nine or ten of them. Now, I do want to mention before I start that I kind of foreshadowed this episode a little bit. Longtime listeners with an outstanding memory far better than mine may remember February 20th of 2016. In fact, if you're looking for a companion podcast to this one this week from Rule Breaker Investing, that February 20th podcast, The Language of Investing, where I talk about some of my let's call them lovers quarrels, with some of the phrases and words people commonly use when discussing the stock market in particular. But toward the end of that episode, the language of investing, I started to preview a list of things that annoy me beyond just the language of investing. And off the top of my head, I think I was talking about CEOs who say they hire people smarter than they are. And when they say that all the time, it starts making me think that there are a lot of people smarter than they are. I start to feel not as great about them as the CEO, if that's what they do all the time, hire people smarter than they are. I think I also remembered um, mentioning how some airlines say, we know you have a choice to fly, so thank you for flying blank. And I think most of us, when we're picking flights, we're not really picking airlines. Sometimes, maybe we are, but I think most of us, most of the time, are saying, wait, what day do I oh, yeah, what what time? Is that affordable? Okay, I'll take that one. And uh, so it comes across as a little smug to at least some airline passengers when you hear that at the end. Or, to close, before I actually start my new list, that phrase, think out of the box. Let's, Let's think out of the box here. You'll sometimes hear people say, maybe in a committee or a meeting, and I always think, you know, that phrase by now is so hopelessly, hopelessly in the box, in the box, that I, from that point forward in the conversation, often doubt any of the brainstorming that will be going on. In that setting. Okay. With all that said, we're going to push that aside because that's the past. We're now in the present, from the sublime to the ridiculous. Let's lead it off. Number one, this is not my number one pet peeve of all, just number one this podcast state lotteries. My friends, there's a bear market every day across the United States of America for lottery ticket purchasers. If you don't already know this, I hope you do, but the simple math goes something like this. When you pay a dollar for your lottery ticket, right away, your state takes $0.50 off the top. And that's a tax. And the other $0.50 gets grouped with mine and yours and hers and his and gets stacked up into a big lottery payout. So, if you're doing the math with me here, 50% haircut off your money every single time you buy a lottery ticket. People worry about when the next bear market's gonna be, or, you know, where will the Dow be by the fall? We once calculated that if you took Bill Gates' entire fortune, tens of billions of dollars, and put it into lottery tickets every single day for an entire month, what happens to it? Well, try having a large sum of money every single day for an entire month. You'll find that the 40 or 50 or whatever billion dollars ends up being something like $172.34 if you just keep investing it in lottery tickets all month long. And why is this pet peeve number one, and why do I list this as sublime? Because I actually think this one really matters. When we get later in this podcast, you'll get to the ridiculous, you'll see, why is David even still talking? And if he's still talking, why am I even still listening at this point? But this one, I think, really counts. Most states in America today have lotteries, and the biggest message that I often hear from my state government, you tell me if this checks out with yours, is, you could be next got to play to win. Some of the most amusing and inventive ads that I hear coming from my government on either the radio or television, often very well done, are just about lotteries. And it's sad when you think that a lot of states claim, I don't think this is often backed up, but claim that it's for education. Uh, It's the education lottery. Uh, And this has definitely happened in marketing for these lotteries uh, for years in some states. And it always has struck me, perhaps you as well, as highly ironic. Because if your education is really working in your state, you're not teaching people, usually people who can't really afford it, to buy lottery tickets. Pet peeve number one. All right, pet peeve number two with state lotteries behind us. Let's go to something not quite as serious because it's not quite as financial, but I would say possibly even more annoying for many of us. I hope you share this pet peeve this is a big one for me, littering. Littering. Honestly, how can any person today, whether you're driving down the street, or out in a truck somewhere, or just walking through a park, or sometimes people even presumably do it on their own front lawn, they just kind of drop the cup, or flip the cigarette away, or toss the straw, and so we end up driving down the highway and seeing, over on the shoulder, litter doesn't look good there. It looks even worse in green settings, in family settings. And I hope you I hope you feel this too. I know I know the Teddy Roosevelt in all of us, National park loving people. I know you don't like littering. I really, really don't like littering. I think that there's no real excuse for it in almost any context that I can think of. I don't actually care what your own personal background is, how easy or tough life has been on you, where you come from, what your culture is. I don't think there's any excuse for just dropping something and making someone else pick it up. The phrase litter bug I remember kind of growing up with in the 1970s, my formative years, I don't see that phrase around quite as much anymore, but I do see some powerful statements against littering. In fact, A lot of us who are outside the state of Texas might not know this, but if you've ever seen the bumper sticker, Don't Mess With Texas, you might have thought that's just some tough guy talk from somebody on the bumper of his pickup truck. But the truth is, that was started by a very talented ad agency run by a friend of ours named Roy Spence. and It was all about encouraging Texans not to litter in their home state. Don't mess. With Texas. I love that sentiment. And whenever I see that bumper sticker, it makes me smile. One of my proudest but most ridiculous moments was when I was in my car behind another car at a light somewhere in urban Washington. And the person, young man, had lowered his window and just kind of dropped his cigarette right there while we're waiting at the light. And I knew it was a longer light, and I was having a little bit of fun with this. So, I literally opened my door from the driver's side, got out, walked up, bent over right next to him at his window, picked up his cigarette, still smoking, and walked back to my car with it. I hope that doesn't sound self-righteous, and I'm definitely not suggesting I do that all the time. The reason I'm telling is an anecdote is because I just did it once, just to see what it felt like. But uh, I think I, I I like to think that that guy still remembers that moment, and maybe that, in a small way, changed the future destiny of our world. Littering, number two. Number three, and here we start to leave the sublime. I still think this counts as sublime, but you could argue me off of this. How about all of the disclaimers that we're all constantly asked to say? Yes, I have read this. I mean, Apple does it. Um, Apple agreements, iTunes, um, banks, there are any number of these. And while I understand why it's come to this, essentially what has happened is that a company or organization has at some point in the past failed to tell somebody to do or not do something. And then, the litigious American society has sprung into action and forced that company or organization to admit what it did was wrong, often rightfully so, good for them, and put in writing what could happen so that you and I have to agree that we will not go after that company or organization if something like that or many other things happens. And what, what happens over the course of time is these build up. So they start at one page and then something else happens and they go to two and then three. And then all of a sudden we're we're all flipping through 40 page, supposedly flipping through 40-page disclaimers, agreeing that we've read this. It was once pointed out to me that what had initially been the park rangers manual, so if you signed up to be a park ranger, Uh, And we'll just go back to the, I don't know, we'll go back to the Halcyon pre disclaimer 1950s. You were expected to know as a park ranger what was in that manual, and it was pretty manageable. I'm going to make this up. It was about 20 pages long. You studied it, memorized it, and you knew what you needed to know to be a park ranger. And over the course of the coming decades, that thing bloated. Uh, with all kinds of additional disclaimers and agreements that people had signed off on, and let's make sure that nothing goes wrong here. And in this national park, unfortunately, a fire started because of this one rare situation, so we need all park rangers now at all parks to make sure that they know about this. And it's bloated to the point that no one actually reads or knows the park ranger's manual anymore. That's a little bit of an anecdote that I picked up from a book once. I'm not a park ranger, but I hope it kind of makes sense. So, that's sort of how we've gotten to this point. And all I'll say in closing on this one is, It's kind of pernicious, isn't it, when you think about it? That we're essentially training all of us as citizens to just lie on an ongoing basis. I have read this. I I agree. And, truly, if you have a sense of honor, if that means something to you, I hope a portion of you just revolts a little bit at the prospect of constantly being asked to lie, and to have that be a systemic and institutionally driven thing today. I'd love, for us, As some future vision of America or our globe to get beyond that. I I would love if at some point in the future, looking back to today, people are laughing at how completely silly it was to have to read through supposedly a 47 page agreement and say, I agree before using your iPhone. All right, so from the sublime. down to the ridiculous, there's a middle layer. There's a middle layer of stuff that isn't sublime, but it isn't ridiculous. And here come a few. So, number four, I've named this one myself. I came up with this on my own, so I call it Gardner's Law. Here it is. This may be the first public unveiling of Gardner's Law. And this is specifically aimed at sites online that have stuff. Like They might have stuff that you can get from them, and they call it cool stuff. Like, hey, click here for cool stuff, or get cool stuff in our store. And here's Gardner's Law. I've actually written this one out verbatim. And I quote, any stuff that is referred to, particularly on the internet, as, quote, cool stuff, end quote, is, by that very fact alone, completely and inherently Uncool. Period. Close quote. I think we can leave that one right there. Number five. But before we get there, you know, much like the motley fool, Harry's.com was started by two passionate guys on a mission. Maybe we could even say, I don't know, the mission was to help the world shave better? Harry's high-quality, high-performance blades help you avoid the nicks and scrapes from other razor blades, and our good friend Chris Hill swears by them. They ship right to your doorstep, and since Harry's is factory direct, their blades are about half the price of leading brands. The Harry's starter set, called the Truman, little play on words there, Truman, truman is a great option for new customers and an amazing deal. For just $15, you get a razor handle, moisturizing shave cream, and three of Harry's five-blade German engineered razors. Plus, there's a special offer for fans of this show. Harry's will give you $5 off your first purchase with the promo code FOOL. F-O-O-L. So go to harrys.com right now. That's H A R R Y S.com. Enter the code FOOL at checkout. Number 5 might sound a little ridiculous, and yeah, it probably is just on the face of it, but if you think about the consequences of this, and you just compound it across a population every day, it's, it's more than ridiculous. It's, it's a little higher, and that is, I hope you share this pet peeve with me, and I know you don't ever do this yourself, drivers who don't use their turn signal. I will admit that I'm a pedant in a lot of ways, and I'm an exact kind of precise person, and I literally do try to use my turn signal, even in my own driveway, every single time that I'm ever moving left or right. Part of it is, I will admit this, I'm a fairly aggressive and fast driver, so I think it's very important for me to signal what I'm doing to people around me. But I think it's really important for all of us, regardless of whether you're a fast or slow driver, to let people know if you're going left or you're going right. It's not just courtesy. It's the law. Number 6. So this one comes out in various phrases and it always makes me chuckle a little bit. Let's go with the phrase I'll be honest with you. There are other variations of this like honestly or maybe frankly, although maybe that's not quite as good. Well, let's just go right to the phrase I'll be honest with you. Have you ever had a conversation with a friend or acquaintance, or maybe somebody who's not so friendly? And that person says, I'll be honest with you. And right there, right then, in my movie, in the cinema of my life, everything slows down and dramatic music plays. Because this person's being honest with me at this moment. And the humor, because ultimately, the cinema of my life, I hope yours too, is a comedy. The humor going on here is, doesn't it beg the question, are you not always being honest with me? So, anytime I hear somebody saying, I'll be honest with you, it, by definition to me, calls into question everything else they're ever saying to me. And I'm wondering, are you being honest with me now? And now, admittedly, we might already be into the ridiculous, but now we are very self-consciously going into the ridiculous to close. Investors, you're out there on the internet, you're using Twitter, I hope you're using the Motley Fool discussion boards, you're talking about Apple, and you're using the ticker symbol, and and I, I know some of you know where I'm headed with this, and you're typing apPL, A-P-P-L is not the ticker symbol for Apple. I know you know this because you're intelligent, you're listening to Rule Breaker Investing, you already know this, but a lot of other people out there don't. The ticker symbol for Apple has always been Admittedly, it's maybe not a great ticker symbol. AAPL. Not APPL. It would be hilarious, wouldn't it, if there were actually a company that did have the ticker symbol, APPL? Looking it up right now, I noticed there is no such company. There is no company with the ticker symbol APPL. If I were IPOing my company today, regardless of my industry affiliation, the actual state or or purpose of my business or the name of my company I would choose the ticker symbol APPL because I'm thinking maybe one in 10 or one in 20 people would be buying my stock instead of what they meant to buy which was apple and to me that probably pushes up my market capitalization by somewhere around 10% higher than it should actually be now perhaps APPL does not exist for this very reason. Perhaps that ticker symbol has been banned from the NASDAQ. I don't know. I know I have a lot of smart listeners. So if you know anything about the background of that, let us know. We can talk about it on mailbag. But uh, I know this the ticker symbol for Apple is not APPL. Before we move on to the next one, honorable mention to Apple Hospitality REIT, a real estate investment trust, because its ticker symbol is APLE which I think is a better shot at the word Apple than what Apple uses. All right, just two more here as we close out this week's Rule Breaker Investing. Two more ridiculous, we can be quick on these. One is just very simply, hand soaps that don't lather. Does this not drive you crazy? It drives me crazy. Usually, these are small. They're often in more upscale house bathrooms, maybe. Or maybe at the country club, not really sure. They're usually perfumed they'll fit in your palm. Sometimes they'll be rounder than soaps should be, in my experience. And you're trying to wash your hands, you turn on the cold water faucet, and you're just rubbing your hands together with this thing in between them, and no soap is coming out. Nothing positive is happening. This is like the antithesis of actual soap. And it's sold probably at higher margins and ends up in the bathrooms of some friends and family of mine, perhaps yours as well. So hand soaps should always lather. I'm glad we've cleared this one up. And finally, the only way to end this unique rule breaker investing podcast is with my final pet peeve. And it's very simply people who keep really long lists of pet peeves and you know maybe go on about them. You know maybe like on podcasts on the internet. Thanks for listening to this special episode of Rule Breaker Investing. Back next week with your mailbag. Fool on! As always, people on this program may have interest in the stocks they talk about, and The Molly Fool may have formal recommendations for or against. So, don't buy or sell stocks based solely on what you hear. Learn more about Rule Breaker Investing at rbi.fool.com.